Praise God. It's so good to see all of you. You know, we've been through a whirlwind of, you know, last weekend um, was pretty crazy here. Was that not wild? If you don't remember it, because weeks seem like three years now, but last weekend was when we had the human trafficking event, remember? Now you're like, oh, that's right. I thought that was like last year. Um, the, and we had, you know, Jay Paul was with us, and Boz was with us, and whole teams of people were with us. And I want you to hear this, because this is, again, it's such an important thing we got to get a hold of. When you pour out blessings, you receive. When you try to receive, nobody gets blessed. Okay? Because we did some radical stuff. You know, we gave away $55,000 last week. <laughs> That's a lot of money, plus our normal... We give away about $2,000 every week, so I guess you could say we gave away $57,000 last week. Uh, so it's just, it's continually going out, and you say, well, that is so dumb. Why don't you keep all that? Let me tell you what. If, whenever we started this thing, 28 years ago, if we decided to keep it all, I don't believe we'd exist today. I don't believe it for a minute. You know, just in the last, tw- in, 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 in the last little bit of time, a couple of decades, we have given away as a church well over $2 million. Okay. Does anybody know where we live? Right? This is not a place where money falls out of people's pockets. And you say, well, that's really dumb. You should have kept that. I'm telling you, if we had kept it, we wouldn't be here today. Wouldn't be here. You just wouldn't. And and have that be a principle in our life that we're continually looking. I know whenever Pastor Peter comes here, he always reminds me. He says, says, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. I love that because when you're shooting out there, you know, for way, way, way out there, if you happen to be close, you're like, oh, it's so bright. Keep shooting it out there. Because I want to talk to you today about the faithfulness of God. Um, Julie did a whole thing here. Are you still here? Julie might have ducked out for a second. But she, uh, good, because she's not in this room, right? So I can talk about her. Oh, rats. (laughs) There she came back. (laughs) Well, now I got to say nice things about her. But I... I texted her last night, and, 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 uh, and I said, hey, just to let you know, I'm, I'm using this scripture, and we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. She says, well, interesting. All my songs are about the faithfulness of God, and I have three testimonies lined up to talk about the faithfulness of God. So then this morning, I, uh, those of you who know Fountain Linda Schultz, every day Linda sends out a, uh, a little text, like an encouragement or whatever. Blessing, yes, the, whatever it's called. And so I get it this morning, and it is an entire text on the faithfulness of God. I want you to hear today that you're in for it. You can't shake this. So lest you came in here thinking God might have quit being faithful. He didn't. The very nature of being defined as a faithful God means you can't cease being a faithful God. Because if you ever cease being a faithful God, you were never a faithful God. He's always faithful. And he's still faithful today. And if you said, yeah, I remember the faithfulness of God in 2004. If he was faithful in 2004, by definition, he has to be faithful today. today. And if he's not faithful, what you say is, I just hit it lucky in 2004. You can say that. Because that's sometimes how we live, right? I got lucky with God in one time when things were going bad. I don't think he's ever going to do it again. But one good thing happened. That is a very warped view of God. That's a genie in a bottle view of God. A faithfulness view of God says he's always faithful. Always faithful. No matter what, 
by definition, he's faithful. What does faithful mean? I mean, different things, and you could you can pull out definitions if you want. But I just want us to hear: you can always count on him. He's not going to stray. Right? If you have a faithful spouse, you never worry about them turning to another person. And so if you have a faithful God, you never worry about God taking his attention off you and looking at some other direction. Now watch. Here's the cool thing about God. Somebody said, I, I a lot of times say this. I said, listen, you're, you're God's favorite. And you are. But so are you. And you and you. God can have like, I don't know, seven billion favorites. Just so happens that I'm right near the top. <laughs> but I, why can't we see that, though? Why can't we see that the faithfulness of God, he'll never say, well, you know, I gave you a good five years, Rick. Now I'm on to somebody else. Doesn't do that. He's a faithful marriage partner who will never, ever let us down. Never. So I want, I want to just share a couple scriptures with you, and I want to share a few things. And, and uh, I, I thought it, this was so cool. You know, I, I actually, Julie told me somebody was going to share a testimony, so I knew something. But I didn't know it was going to be like open mic night. And I thought, this is what I thought. I thought, if we wanted to, we would have a steady line coming up there. And so, of course, those are things we always need to do. They don't always practically happen. In a, see, here we go. Tell, I was just telling Tam, Tammy, Tammy, we were just talking about how declaring his faithfulness, it's like it, it begets faithfulness. And, and speaking it begets more people saying it. So the more that we say and declare, the more we testify and the more we say how God has been good, the next person now feels permission. This was, this was kind of planned, but not at the extent that it happened. Like, I didn't really know that like that Sarah was going to, and that Meredith was going to, you know, it just, because it begets more testimony. Your testimony begets testimony. So think about it. Like if, if, if you're, if you're holding it in, you need to say it so that the next one can say it and the next one can say it. It's like a ripple. Because the faithfulness of God, it's a continual thing. Let me, let me jump to another scripture. I was going to share a scripture. I'll go to another one. But I want, I want you to hear the scripture. It's Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. And this is what we're talking about today. We, in the West, we're, we have Western mindsets, obviously. We were born in the West. We grew up in the West. We have Western parents, Western schools, and all that stuff. Western mindset goes from you know left to right, uh, chronological order, things like that. Much of the world doesn't think like that, and the Bible doesn't think like that. So the trouble Americans always have is we're reading a different mindset. We're reading kind of a circular mindset through a linear lens. If that made no sense for you, to you, just ignore it. Ignore. But Hebrews 11, 39, and 40 says something I want us to get a hold of because of why declaring God's faithfulness is so important and why proving God's faithfulness is so important. Now, this, this goes on to say, it's a hall of faith. You know that you, you need to read Hebrews 11. Talking about great men and women, amazing things. I mean, these are the guys, if you said, oh, it's Abraham, and it's Noah, and it's Moses, and it's Jacob, and it's Isaac, and it's David, and Solomon, and this guy, and Gideon, and all that stuff. And he just goes on that list. He goes through all these lists of great men and women. And he even says, there's so many, I don't have time to talk about this person and that person and the other person. But then he set, tags this at the end. This is where you come in. If we believe God is faithful, this is why it's so important that we carry on the faithfulness of God. 
These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Isn't that depressing? Yeah. <laughs> Are you hanging on to the promises of God? Yeah. Good chance you won't get it. Amen. See you next week. Uh, because the promises of God are not designed in a linear world. They're not designed to, you know, Kurt gave a testimony. That's an awesome testimony. That's not the fullness of Kurt, right? Whatever I would say about what God has done with me, it's not the fullness of me. If I receive all the promises that God gave me, I served a really small God. I am part of God's massive promises, massive plan. So they didn't, go back to that first verse. I can't remember what I was reading. Um, they, they, they didn't receive wherever it is here. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Now go on to the next one. Thank you. Um, since God had planned something better for us. Who's us? Us are us. So that only together with us would they, the, they is Abraham. They is Paul, they is Peter, they is Moses. They were the great ones. They didn't get it. They didn't complete it. They served a faithful God. But together with us, they got it. What? Yeah. So what happens if a whole generation checks out? Abraham, the man of faith, doesn't have completed faith. We gotta declare the faithfulness of God. We have a leg to run. It's really important. And he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. And he's not just faithful, because watch this, this is what I want us to hear. You're not just an individual in this thing, you're part of something so big. And what you're part of is the plans of God. Uh, Jason up here read uh, Jeremiah 29 11. Um, it's a great verse, right? We all know it. It always pops up in June, right? That's the June verse because graduation happens. Um, and God does know the plans he has for us. But that verse is way more than your life is going to be okay. That verse is massive. And you know this because you're as sharp as can be. That verse was prophesied in the middle of captivity when nothing good was going to happen for 70 years. Now, let me just, what if I said this to you? Listen, your life's going to stink for 70 years. Let's sing a song. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's, how, that's the context of that verse. Jeremiah said it's going to be really bad. And everybody's like, no, no, all the prophets are saying it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Jeremiah says, slow down, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. And in the middle of that, he says it doesn't matter because God has something awesome. He's got a plan for me. It's to prosper me. It's to keep me on the road. I love how you connected. Used to be people sat in seats I remembered. I don't know where. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Raise your hand when I'm thinking about you. That You know you're good then. <laughs> the, the, uh, but that whole, um, that whole, the, the whole idea of keeping us on the path is that's where we want to prosper. Because if we go off the path and earn some earthly toys, that might be fun, but that's not prosperity. That is a little side exit that got us some earthly pleasure. 
Lord, keep us on the path because why? I want to be there. I want to be there when the glory comes. I want to be there when the awesome things come. I feel a little bit disjointed now. I got so excited about this faithfulness thing. But I, but I, want, to, I want to, this is what I want to really declare to us today. God has always been faithful. God is faithful. And God will be faithful. You need to hear that. You need to hear that. I was reading, um, I try to read a lot of biographies. If I read any stuff, uh, if I read books, it's almost always biographies. I love biographies because I guess I like people and biographies are about people. And then I love biographies where there's always, uh, uh, these people had some sort of big impact. Almost always what you find out about, about people that you would deem as great, they, none of them had necessarily terribly impressive beginnings. And so they were, you know how I talk about, I believe, I'm so convinced of this. The next revival, which I, will believe, which I believe will be the greatest, and it might be the last revival. Uh, it will be a nameless, faceless revival. I'm telling you right now, the people who are trying to make a name for themselves and leading the revival will fall. Yeah. You're watching it happen. What, does the church not learn our lessons? How did the 80s go in making famous people for the gospel? Well, we filled up some jails. Right? I mean, it's, we're, we're not about famous people. We're, we're trying to, this is why, because what, what we're always trying to do, we all, every, watch this, everybody knows they need a Savior. And everybody wants a Savior that they can actually see, hold, and bring beside them. So that's why we talk about how gods are falling. And I said the last God to fall is the government God. It's massive. Why? Because that's a Savior. It's a Savior. But listen, our Savior is much greater than that. So we're trying to always puff up saviors, whether they be musicians, whether they be preachers or whatever. I'm telling you, we can't puff them up. It's got to be the 72 others that Jesus sent out, right? I love that. The, God, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. We know their names and good for, actually, I could name three unless I could think of some song that I never learned. Um, but then he sent out 72 others. My favorite people in the whole Bible are the 70 or 72. The 72 others are my favorite people in the whole Bible. You know why? Because they did amazing things and nobody knows who they were. They changed the world. Nobody knew who they were. Amen. They watched demons fall. They were healing the sick. They were like, whoa. And you're like, when we get to heaven, I can't wait to see the others. The others. Where are the others? I know your name, man. <laughs> but the others is such a cool thing. How faithful is God that he chooses to use the 72 others? The others, and they are you. And they are you. We are the others. Why? Because we serve a faithful God, not a great person. Not a great person. So all the humble people will do. Come before him. Say, here I am, Lord. Um, even as a testimony said today, humble, then God can raise you up. And so the others. And then he goes on to say, favorites. The, 20, the 72 favorites, which are us right here. But watch this about, I guess I started talking about biographies. George Whitfield. I, 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 you know, I know he was in the, in the Great Awakening and one of the great preachers of all time. So I... Um, in our, we're homeschooling now, and Jason's getting homeschooled, so I'm over here doing something, and Sandy and Jason are over there doing something. They're talking about George Whitfield. And I said, George Whitfield, 
I need to learn about George Whitfield. So I said, doggone it, I'm going to read about him. So those of you homeschool know that it just prompts you to want to be smarter than your child. <laughs> Can I get an amen from all you homeschoolers? Yes. Uh, yes. And so, but watch this. I want you to hear this because there's such a cool story in here. George, George Whitfield was an amazing man. You know, he was in, uh, he was back and forth between England and, and the colonies. And he preached for about 30 years in America. Get this, in those 30 years, they believe he preached well over 18,000 times. That's a lot of times. 18,000 messages. Um, so I thought, well, I wonder how many times I've spoken here. Do you know that I've spoken over 3,000 times at First Fellowship? 3,000. Why do you keep coming back? This has to be boring as all get out. That is a lot of times. <laughs> over, and when I say that, I mean groups of 10 or 15 or hundreds or whatever. But 18,000 times, and he was preaching to large groups, sometimes 10, 20, 30,000 people. But watch what happened. He believed, this is what I want you to hear about this, because I want you to hear that the gospel is more than something for you. In the 1840s, I mean, sorry, 1740s, 50s, in that era, um, you know, we, we think of the United States as the united. United is our key thing. Um, we were not the united colonies. You know much about history? You know there were 13 colonies? They were all very different, different constitutions, different leaders, different foundations, different uh, DNAs, different spirits about them, whatever. There were 13 of them. And some liked England, some didn't. Some liked Virginians, some didn't. Some didn't like New Yorkers, some didn't like Pennsylvanians and those Georgians and whatever. We were kind of distinct. George Whitfield said, he says, I need to preach the gospel. And one of the reasons he did was he felt the gospel would unite the colonies. And so the Great Awakening came, and it was massive. It's unbelievable. You need to read these things because we're going to see one. We're going to see one. Uh, actually, George Whitfield couldn't, uh, they wouldn't, <laughs> he was, I don't even know what he was, something in England. They wouldn't even give him a church. He said, that's no problem. I'll take this bucket and stand on it and preach. And so he actually never pastored a church because he, he just had a burden. He preached and God moved and salvations and all these things. But I want you to hear this. The preaching of Christ unified people. The gospel unifies the hearers. You've got you to get that. Because I'm telling you, a lot of the gospel we're preaching today is a false gospel. If the ones who receive the gospel we're preaching are not loving each other and unified, your gospel's worth zippo. And I, want, I really want you to take that to heart because I believe the American gospel right now has fallen apart just do. We've mixed it in with other gods. We have a polytheistic gospel right now. We're not even sure what it is. I'm telling you, God starts to bubble up this faithfulness of him inside of us. And we start to get a hold of the reality of eternal things. What if our God was actually eternal? What if his kingdom was outside of this world? What if my citizenship was so much bigger than every passport you could hold. And what if God was faithful to carry on his plans? And what if he were saying to all the others, come on and join me. Come on and join me. 
wants to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And it's a matter if each of us say, Lord, here I am. I want in. I want in. I want to speak an eternal gospel. I want to speak a gospel that brings eternal salvation. I want to speak a gospel that bears genuine fruit. That bears love. That bears joy. Peace. All of those things. I want to speak a gospel that is clearly full of truth. That's the gospel that the world is waiting for. And I'm telling you, the world, the non-believers are waiting for this gospel. They are. There's an openness to a gospel that is not worldly. Worldly philosophies are fine, but that's not what the world is waiting for. Sinful man is never looking for a better philosophy. They already got them. They're looking for something that is so much greater than an earthly philosophy. And it's a heavenly gospel. And I'm telling you, the reason I want to... I'm actually super passionate about this right now. And my heart is broken for the church because I think it's lost its way. I don't want to be part of a church as a whole. I'm not talking about you, me, and that time. I want to be part of a church that's lost its way. I want to be part of a church that's refined into fire. A, A part of a church that is so much greater than this week's problems. The gospel is so much better than that. So much bigger than that. So as we seek God on this next great revival, and I'm telling you, trust me, it's we're on the brink of it. He's faithful. He's faithful. I thought about I think I thought about this last year. Really last year and a half or two years. And I'm not sure why, because I don't really normally operate in prophetic things, but I'm telling you, God has shown me things. I've called them forth. You've been there. You've seen them. And I've hit about six in a row that are big. They're big. And it's weird because we, if you were paying attention, nothing that's happened over the last 18 months should have taken us by surprise. We called it before it happened. Everything. It's weird. It's just, it's weird if you haven't been here, you just think, wow, you guys are nuts. So I'm telling you, God reveals things to his people before he does them. And I'm telling you, the next one he's bringing on is a revival. And we must personally and collectively be ready. And we're going to have to put away some things in order to be ready for the next. Have to be. Got to believe in a faithful God. And we got to believe also, and this is the encouragement when you're trusting in a faithful God, you got to understand that God thinks differently than us. most of us think we're fairly smart. If we were honest, we actually oftentimes think we're smarter than God. No way. <laughs> you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to move? Yeah. And he did it a little differently than you wanted him to? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we all say, oh, thank you, Lord, for having a better plan than me. No, we're like, oh, wait, okay. let me help you out here, God. Uh-huh. Because you actually did it wrong. <laughs> Is that, that's, how, that's how we act, isn't it? We're like, well, we, we prayed for 40 days for the will of God to happen. And it happened differently than my will, so I got to fix this, God. I'm on it. Really? 
Are we honestly that arrogant? Yes, we are. It's just good to repent. It's good to say, oh, Lord, help me. There's a verse in, uh, um, great verse in uh, Isaiah 55. You guys know it, 55, 8 and 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Then he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want you to write that down, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, because I want you to take that and take it before God and say, oh, maybe my thinking isn't always right. And of course, we all say amen to that. But we don't live that. <laughs> right? Let's just be honest and say, I'm pretty sharp, but I know what God wants to do. So if you look at that, what is, uh, you know, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts from your thoughts, that type of thing. So just for fun, I am no astronomer, although my, one of my favorite classes I took in college was astronomy. But uh, I don't remember anything about it, but it was fun. Um, so the closest star to us, close, obviously the sun, but not the sun, is whatever the name of it is. You guys know it. You don't know it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't have any idea what it is. Uh, I have it written down. but I'm... Oh, there you go. Alpha Centauri. See, you guys are way smarter than me. It is, watch this, it's, it's 25 trillion miles away from us. Miles. It's not that many light years. You, nobody knows what a light year is, so we're just saying miles. You understand what a mile is. 25 trillion miles. Watch this. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is my thinking better than yours. 25 trillion miles Higher than my thinking is God's. Lord, help us that we think we have the answers. So just for fun, if you got in like a, a really cool spaceship and we're traveling 30,000 miles an hour, it'd take you 81,000 years to get there. So that means if Abraham started, when he started on his journey, he jumped in the spaceship instead of walking across the desert, he'd still be 77,000 years away. Can we trust him, guys? Can we trust this God? Is he faithful or is he not? Can we trust him? Can we trust his plan? Now, please understand, here's the wild thing then. He's given us the mind of Christ. Are you kidding me? He's given us his mind. Unbelievable people. It doesn't mean you have all the answers, but it means you have the one who has all the answers. That's right. And it should make us so humble in seeking him. And it should make us so humble in trusting him and it should give us so much confidence in trusting him. He really, really knows what he's doing. And as we personally and collectively say, okay, God, I'll trust you. I'm just telling you, we're going to see it. 
we're going to see a revival like no other. We're going to see hearts turned, hearts changed. You want to fix problems? Don't work on the problem. Work on the heart. Yeah. Work on the heart. The same within your life. You want to work on a problem in your life? Work on your heart. And then suddenly the problem starts to get at least you're aware of what the real problem is. Yeah. Work on your heart. And may God have us have a humble heart. Have a humble heart because the answer that's needed is the gospel of Christ and the faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you, it's going to come through so many people, so many voices declaring the praises of God. I'll end with Habakkuk chapter 3. I don't, I don't know if we're, are we, is the band coming back up or we're going with all that stuff. The, but, but I want you to hear this scripture because this is what our hope is. Habakkuk chapter 3, read the book of Habakkuk. It's a great book. Although not everything good happened in Habakkuk, it's a great book. Actually, read Habakkuk because it will give you hope for today. A lot of bad things happen in Habakkuk, and yet he has five or so of the best verses in all of Scripture. But they all came in the middle of difficulties. Watch what he says. He says in Habakkuk 3 and verse 2, he says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. He says, I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them. Renew them. In our day, in our time, make them known. And he says, in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. So this is what I want you to do. You got an assignment, I have an assignment. I, I, uh, this week we were cleaning out a, a closet in our house. And Sandy found, um, uh, you know, remember back in the way olden days, we wrote Christmas letters? Remember that? And you gave a recap of what happened in your life? Nobody does that anymore because we tell everybody what we do every day. Well, I ate spaghetti today. You know, Christmas letters were a whole lot more exciting than where we went to dinner. So she found our Christmas letters from 1992 and 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. Interestingly, when we had kids, they quit. <laughs> Evidently, Christmas got a little more complicated. No more letters. We just had a picture of a kid. So we assume things still went fine after we had kids, but the Christmas letters lasted for 13 or 14 Christmases and we had kids. Um, but I was reading through the Christmas letters and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back in your life and see what God has done and just stand in awe. I read through every one of those. And actually, I honestly I read through it and I, and I was, Sandy and I were talking about that. Gosh, Sandy, somebody should write a book about our life. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I went through the, the, the book deals are not, uh, they're not banging at our door. But I'm telling you, each of us within us has a book about the faithfulness of God. A testimony. It's a testimony of the goodness of God. Reading through each year. And oh, God was so good. Look what he did there. And then I, got, I couldn't wait to get to the next year. And it's like, oh, look what God did here. Look what God did. And then, you know, I started to read about the things God was doing in, in our little fledgling little church and the goodness of God. And then about this thing and about that thing. And we changed jobs and we did that and we did that and, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, God, you're so good. And then we got Zach, and that was the end of letters. Uh, so, 
<laughs> I don't so praise God, it was good. We had a good run, Jesus, and then we had kids. But I, this is, I honestly want us to do this, and if you would do this, and even now, if you just take a few minutes, um, God's been good in your life. Just has been. Just has been. In all ways. And you say, oh, but that was hard. Listen, of course it was hard. Imagine how ridiculous you would be, how worthless you would be if you never went through anything hard. Yeah. You'd be of no value. If you're going to do a project with somebody and you're going to work on something, whatever, you're going to put a roof on with somebody, if you shake their hand and it is so soft, You going to feel good about climbing up on the roof with that guy? No way. I want the roughness. I want the scars. I want the one who's been through it. Why? Because they can declare to the faithful. So don't worry about, oh, I don't know if he's faithful. I had a rough year. Hey, that's welcome to breathing. So don't say that wasn't the faithfulness of God. The verse we quote in Jeremiah 29, everybody's favorite verse is on every graduation card. It included 70 years of captivity. We don't put that on the graduation. We don't have to give the full context of it. Just want you to hear, it's the struggles that show his faithfulness even all the more. So I, want, I would just encourage you, go back through your life and just see how God was faithful. A lot of times they'll show up financially. Um, here's a for instance. I'll give you one. It's just because I did, I stopped reading those letters when kids came. So we adopted two kids. And it, how cool is God? Jen, I could, you could say the same testimony. Our kids cost about $30,000 each because adoption's expensive. I think I was making $32,000 at the time. Somehow we got two kids. I don't even know how. So the reason I bring this up, somebody asked us the other day because we were talking about that. And they said, how did you pay for it? And Sandy, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you adopted the same time. How did you do that? Just, oh, I, <laughs> I know how you do those things. It's the faithfulness of God. Amen. That's how you do them. Yeah. We left for Bible school, sold everything, had $25,000, went to three years of Bible school. Came home three years after Bible school, with $20,000. I don't even know how that happened. I do. It's the faithfulness of God. I just gave two financial things. Financial is easy because they're, they're clear cut. But it's so many things. You can do it with relationships. You can do it with whatever. The faithfulness of God. I want you to, I really want to encourage you to really take some time and think through seasons of your life and how faithful God was. Because I want you to hear this. A faithful God is always a faithful God. Yeah. He's going to do something in your life, in our life. In the book of Habakkuk, it says that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. I'm telling you, there are things he has. I mean, they're right 
there, right? There, right there. And God says, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. It's going to be so massive. I'm actually pretty convinced that, and we should do this at some point, at least in some groups, write down things, you know, things you're convinced that God's going to do, visions he's given you, words he's given you, because it's going to be a culmination of a lot of them. And they come together. It's going to be so big. It's going to be so massive. But you know what? You're not going to be, ident- you're not going to be able to identify who started it but God. And that's what we're looking for. You want, a uni- you want a unified America? Do this to political parties. And it's Jesus. It's the only thing. It's always been. That's all it is. And it's not a political Jesus. You do realize that everybody does want to use Jesus for their political gains. He's not interested in that. When he shows up, everybody bows down. That's the unifying thing. Can I say something? Kevin. I have a mic now. Sorry. Yes, go for it. I was, I was literally asking Jesus in this time, in these two weeks, like, it's just craziness. And I literally asked, like, okay, do you support the Republican Party? And he said, yes. I said, do you support the Democratic Party? And he said, yes. And I said, what? And he said, they are my people. All of them are mine. All of them. Whatever party, whatever, whatever. They're all his. We're all his. No matter what side we choose, we're his. And Father, we, we do pray that we see you. We see you high and lifted. Let's just stand to our feet if we would. We see you high and lifted up, Jesus. That we see you as the answer. That see, we see you as the faithful God. You as the God who never fails in our families, in our lives, in our schools, in our towns. Listen, one of the reasons that many of us are still in this region is because we believe that God has a plan for this region. But it's you, Jesus, you to do the resurrecting, you to do the renewal. Father, we declare your faithfulness. We declare your goodness over the situations right here in this room, maybe health situations, maybe financial situations, relational situations. Father, we declare your faithfulness, and we declare that through no matter what, you're going to keep us on the path. You're going to keep us on the path. You're going to have us prosper because we are within your will, Lord. That's the prosperity we're looking for. Thank you, Lord, that oftentimes that includes things. Father, our heart is to stay in tune with you, Jesus. With you and you alone. Do something amazing. Do something that nobody would believe. I pray that even out of our little thing here, our little group, our little people, our little town, that you would really have the world stand up and say, they have an awesome God. An amazing God. Prove yourself strong, Lord. Show yourself strong. Do it. You've done it before, and we echo the words of Habakkuk. Do it again, Lord. Do it again.